Hello. Hey. My name is Alex. And I'm Val. And we're here for the second episode of season four. We just watched it. It's called No Show. And we took some notes. Yeah, we have an episode written by David Chase and Terrence Winter, directed by John Patterson, all-star team. And we liked it. We did like it. So we can talk about it. Yeah. I mean, we typically like them and we typically talk about them, so there's nothing too remarkable there. But I do think it's an amazing episode, though, and I think there's a lot going on. I think there's a lot to talk about. Yeah, I I don't know. There's like a couple things that surprised me in this episode, and then there are, I think, like a couple like really deep threads throughout. So yeah. just plot-wise, like, I, and we were briefly talking about this before we watched the episode, like, how early this reveal to Adriana that Danielle slash Deborah was part of the FBI. Yeah. Because we just got introduced to that the last episode of season three. Yeah. Right? Which I think is part of the reason why it feels like it goes on for so much longer than it actually has. Whenever I reflect on that storyline, I'm always shocked when I re-see the show how quickly it actually moves to this next step. Yeah. I always feel like there's an entire season where they're becoming friends, and yet it's actually only really two episodes. Yeah. Well, and then for those of you who know where this storyline goes, that's a long time until we get, you know, kind of the impact of this yeah. storyline. Like, I I always thought it was a little bit more balanced. I don't know, like, that it fell Mm -hmm. somewhere in the middle somewhere. But really, like, until late season five, we don't really have resolution on this. Mm -hmm. No spoilers. Right, yeah. It's interesting, too, because, like, you can imagine that if you were watching the show as it came out, obviously, you have the impact of the time that happened between season three and season four, Mm -hmm. which would stretch it out. Mm -hmm. But even without that, it still feels like that storyline is developing for a lot longer than it actually yeah. is. Yeah, well, I guess it's funny. Like, we were talking about the passage of time between season three and season four last time, last episode. Yeah. And, you know, I think part of me also, like, you kind of, how do I say it? Like, you feel the time that's passed in that relationship. Like, you see how intimate they've become with each other. Oh, I guess it's four months. Oh, that clarifies some weird stuff. Yeah. Remember they said that she's been she's put in four months of That's work right. on it. That's right. Good point. Wow. So now on I'm really now I'm really messed up on the timeline of how You're much right. passed. Actually, when that gets back to our question yeah. of it being September and what does that mean, that actually does kind of raise some questions. Yeah. That is surprising. I guess it's pl- yeah. Anyways. Well, if you have any theories about how that works, let us know. But that may actually just be a continuity error. I don't know. Anyways. Yeah, I guess actually it also <laughs> means that we have to imagine that this is actually 2001. Based yeah. on that, based on yeah. that, that the Twin Towers actually like just fell. Who knows? Which there's mixed messages. There, There is definitely some some weirdness in terms of how they're presenting yeah. time. But that that is okay. Anyways, sorry, that just popped yeah. into my mind. But yeah, like you, we don't need a lot to understand how deeply Adriana feels connected to Danielle. Right? Yeah. Um, it's interesting. She's also, like, desperate for connection. a friend. Yeah. Yeah, and for connection with somebody who she can talk about, but who's also outside of the mob family yeah. and the mob world that she feels that she can relate to. Yeah, well, she doesn't have the other, like, mob wives like the rest of them no. do, right? Like, there's no one who's really kind of, like, Christopher's generation, even. No. She um, really is all on yeah. her own. She has Cosette, the dog. She has her puppy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 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 um, yeah, anyways, I, that just kind of struck me in this episode. 
And yeah. I, I love Adriana as a character, so I think I always like feel very sad for her in this episode. Yeah. And that is definitely like a pretty major plot movement that mm-hmm. happens right now. And that's interesting, you know, like the fact that this is written by David Chase and Terrence Winter. Like David Chase typically comes on at rather pivotal moments mm-hmm. of the show. And so I, I do think like there's a lot of development that happens here and we are moving to some new things. I think this like, show, this, this show, <laughs> this episode is super pivotal. Yeah. And I, I think that there's been a lot of threats that have been hanging around Tony and his associates, but now like actually that's like a manifestation of one of those threats. Like that is moving to the next kind of step. Yeah. Even though the threat in some ways was neutralized. Yeah. Like that how that was a very effective operation and that it was actually shut down through Christopher being a horny jerk. Yeah. But at the same time, like now that Adriana is like brought into the FBI, we have to see that as like an escalated threat. Yeah. Well, I love how these guys play with us too. I mean, like this could have this could have happened at the end of this season. Yeah. Right? Like cuz they just introduced Danielle, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, no, when you talk about form, right? it's like It's so surprising and I love it. Unbelievable. And you know, like it really makes you then second guess like the trajectory of this season. Yeah, and to introduce her in the season finale and then to resolve it in episode 2. Like yeah. my god, like now not only are we playing with the form within a season, yeah. but we're actually like overlapping. I know. You have like it's a thread really that's going over season three and season four in a very unexpected way. Yeah. And I think they do it really well. Like I think it's really effective and it's amazing. Sorry, I just bumped our table. It's okay. It happens. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, anyways, I just, I just had to kind of start with that because it was really sticking with me. Yeah. But yeah, how do you want to do this one? Well, there's something that I wanted to talk about that I picked up on in this episode. And I think that it's a thread that really goes through the whole episode. Mm-hmm. And I think is definitely something deliberate. So very early on, actually, in the episode, when we have Meadow um, in the kitchen and she's talking to Tony and Carmela, she gets a call right after Carmela basically takes her on. She says, you know, mm-hmm. I, was, I was basically, you know, like unpacking the, the great canon of literature. Right. And then Carmela says, oh, I saw you reading Mary Higgins Clark. Yeah, that, that's you know, actually that... after the first phone call that that happens. Okay, well, okay, yeah. so there's multiple phone calls. Yeah, but the one two. that actually I think that kind of caught my attention is that right after that, um, mm-hmm. where she's kind of misrepresenting what she's been doing mm-hmm. and then kind of like manipulating Carmela in a way, she gets a call and her statement is, come on, he's so totally duplicitous. Mm. Which I thought was really interesting after she's clearly being duplicitous about what she's doing. Yeah. And even though she is grieving over Jackie Jr., at the same time, she's clearly manipulating the situation mm-hmm. to kind of like lounge around and just kind of like not do anything. Mm-hmm. Like there is an aspect outside of just of her just her M- grieving. Melfi kind of identifies that pretty clearly in her session with Tony. Well, Melfi kind of takes her side to an extent in that she she says it must be really hard and like he did die and and she does kind of go on that side but then she also does acknowledge to some extent she could be manipulating the situation yeah yeah Yeah. now what's really interesting is that i kind of took note of that as this theme of duplicity Mm -hmm. and then that theme just came up so much in this episode like everywhere yeah every character is being duplicitous yeah and i thought that this episode is really kind of defined by that duplicity that all the characters are taking part mm-hmm. in. So, I mean, the examples are actually kind of like comically numerous. I, I couldn't even really believe it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they, they do establish it early on. Um, obviously, the great duplicity that happens in this episode and that we build up to is between Danielle and Adriana. Yeah. So we have that very obvious one. But we have some interesting things happening in, in the early scene, actually, at the Crazy Horse, where... 
Adriano reveals, you know, these very intimate secrets mm-hmm. of hers. And, you know, we have lines like Danielle saying to her, sometimes it helps to talk, mm-hmm. huh? You know, so, like, immediate duplicity. They're actually on multiple levels. Like, mm-hmm. she wants her to talk about the mob business. So she's yeah. actually kind of manipulating the situation so that she will talk about other things. Yeah. And that's even a surprising situation because Danielle brings up, you know, this guy that she used to be her fuck mm-hmm. buddy. and. Mm-hmm. He always got a beeper, and I, she thought he was connected. Like, that's like a power move. Yeah. And then actually, Adriana... kind of shrugs it off, yeah. ...dips under the bar, comes over to share something with her. I want to share something with you. So we obviously expect that this is going to be about the mob. And so But it's Danielle. not. Yeah. And she's taken off guard. But then, you know, like, we see that duplicity of her actually trying to bring the focus back. Yeah. I think that scene, I know you, you want to go on too, so I don't want yeah, to no, take, stay, it, take stay it too it. far. Yeah. But I think that moment where she does come under the bar yeah like i think that's pretty symbolic of her like kind of unknowingly at that's the point where she like danielle really got her right yeah. like she shared this intimate secret which made them have that extra level of intimacy she saw like you know chris give little polly the cocaine yeah um like that was actually probably where Adriana got caught, yeah. right? Like, cause that let Danielle get that much closer, and so her like coming to the same side of the bar, yeah, was really like her coming to that side in some ways. It's getting rid of that separation. Yeah. Interestingly, too, when she also goes under the bar, the shot changes. We can see that there's these eyes. Yeah, as we see them a the, bit before on the back of the wall, mm-hmm. but they're kind of blocked by the two characters. Mm-hmm. When Aid actually comes under the bar, now the shot has both eyes in focus. Right. And we can see one kind of associated with both characters. Yeah. So we see one behind Danielle, one behind Aid. So even as she shares this like incredibly intimate secret we have these two eyes on the wall that are kind of peering at us yeah which also relates to the last scene of the last episode with you know the andrew jackson eye right, right on the right, 20 dollar right. bill yeah um that they actually focus on so there is this like there's this thing that's watching and even in this supposed safe space of yeah. the crazy horse the fbi actually successfully infiltrated and, yeah. is, and is watching but infiltrated like not the right shit like right you know like and that's kind of i think one of the tragic things about this is like for aid it is this really true moment right and for yeah. danielle it's just her seeking information yeah and, you know, she even, like, she gets this hug from her, you know, she gets this offer of the OBGYN in New York or whatever, um, or in the city. But what hurts Aid the most, you know, like, she does, she throws up, but it's like, is your name really Danielle? Or she's like, yeah. I told you so much shit that has nothing to do with this, yeah, right? totally. Um, and so for her, it is just this breach of... breach of confidence or or like you know like the fact that they really delved into her personal life yeah breach of intimacy to get this information on her fiance who does his own shit like it's not you know like aid has nothing to do with that she's grappling with her own stuff yeah totally um yeah yeah they even they even play actually with that like infiltration or whatever or like the FBI there with the eye um, yeah. later well, on like in the back room when yeah. Chris actually when is he gets there, there yeah. there's another eye behind him even yeah. when Chris is saying lines like there's something wrong with that broad and there's a, yeah. an eye right behind him kind of like looking down yeah so that's an interesting well, scene well cause that's and that like it's linked to the bracelet too like I don't like yeah. Because like, in that scene, she's well, putting that's on when the she bracelet. Gets it. Yeah. That's and, when she gets the Harry Winston. And then later we see Danielle slash Deborah focusing on the bracelet yeah. when she's in the office. Um, which and, is interestingly, like in that scene too, she gets the Harry Winston, which is yeah. the same thing that Tony gave to Carmela earlier yeah. in the show. But she gets it at a time where 
Chris is actively discussing Carmela won't be first lady forever. Mm-hmm. Like, there's actually, like, a connection there mm-hmm. between those two pairs. Mm-hmm. Like, Chris is now emulating Tony's actions in terms mm-hmm. of bringing Adriana in, which is, like, at the worst possible time yeah. because there is this yeah. this threatening presence. Well, and she's, you know, she's engaged. Like, you know, he comes in and he's, like, you know, he seems, like, excited about something and he's, like, I got some good news or yeah. something. He says something and she's, like, what? Tell me. Yeah. You know? Um, and so again, it's this like intimacy and relationships that is dangerous for people. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of all that Adriana's got. Yeah. Which is, makes me sad. And Cosette. Yes, Cosette. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Stop saying okay. that. <laughs> so we have, you know, so, okay, I'm going to keep going because there, yeah, there totally. truly is just so much. Totally. Um, so another one, you know, Janice, um, with with Ralphie now mm-hmm. and the way that she kind of hides that Tony comes in immediately finds out as you know he says faces of death mm-hmm. to, on the video mm-hmm. and then she's actually duplicitous immediately after too in terms of like reframing mm-hmm. which I think is kind of the commonality between how a lot of these characters deal with putting out false information to get what they want they reframe things which is something that we see in the show going all the way back to like college yeah with tony and meadow you know like as soon as tony is out of his comfort zone yeah he'll kind of like reframe something against meadow by like attacking her yeah or like refocusing on something that she did yeah which i'll come back to later because there's kind of a parallel to that later on in the episode but even the way that janice responds to faces of death is she says it's research on her Christian release. Right. And you know, oh yeah, we were going to release with Sony. Now we're looking more at an independent yeah. music label. Yeah. That's clearly duplicitous and yeah. outright incorrect. Just like total, a total lie. Yeah. But then of course, like Tony finds that shoe. I love how he yeah. holds the shoe. Yeah. Um, And he just has to look at her and then she totally shifts, right? Yeah. Like, so she is, she's like lying all the way, but she knows she can't lie her way out of this one with yeah. Ralphie like he's well and then she's honest the and then she says yeah. yeah but her face is really amazing when yeah. she like like yeah. she's like I, you know basically like I don't I don't owe you anything like I don't yeah. need to those Turturros know how to act yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah yeah you wanna keep going yeah no keep <laughs> so going. many so another one L- little yeah, well, we have Patsy. Even before that, there's a tiny throwaway line where little Polly says, Tony made a killing on those Freulinghausen properties. I'm going to screw up the name. Sorry, New Jersey residents. But we were talking about that in the last episode right. where Tony buys from Junior his right. properties on Freulinghausen. Right, 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 right. And he's actually duplicitous in the way that he presents that he information, those, saying yeah. that it's a way to give him money for his legal fees yeah. when he actually has inside information from Zellman that about their value. Yeah. Already, he's made a killing on that. You know, so yeah, that's an interesting reference to duplicity that happened very recently from Tony. Mm-hmm. Shortly after that, then we have this fiber optic cable situation between Patsy and Christopher. And I found that really interesting because I actually had a bit of a different interpretation of it this time than mm-hmm. I've had in previous times. Or maybe something is just very clear to me now mm-hmm. that maybe wasn't on mm-hmm. original viewings. And that's that Patsy is clearly manipulating Christopher. Yeah in that scene. Yeah. I think I used to see it as like, you know, they're kind of fighting or whatever, but then they kind of have this like tacit understanding that there's money to be made and they do it. But it's different really. Like yeah, Patsy is totally. feeling marginalized yeah. as Silvio says yeah, about I like being that, passed over. I like over. that Silvio uses the word marginalized. Yeah. <laughs> and Tony says, what does that even mean? Yeah. Which is ironic and it's great. interesting. But for Patsy, 
to take that situation, he sees the fiber optic cable. He's actually manipulating Christopher to get him in trouble mm -hmm. because he recognizes the responsibility that Christopher has now. Mm -hmm. And I think he does actually see the bigger picture. Like Tony keeps on saying to Christopher, like, see the bigger picture, yeah. use your head. And then Christopher keeps yeah. on like passing that on to other characters like Adriana yeah. throughout the episode. Yeah. But he's lacking that skill. Yeah. And he so clearly gets manipulated. And I think that Patsy with that look that he gives him is duplicitous. Yeah. He wants Christopher to take heat for stealing this yeah. stuff. Yep, yep, yep. And so he actually creates that situation. And maybe Silvio sees even the bigger picture. It's interesting. Above that. <laughs> well, we can talk about that because that's another yeah. example of duplicity. Yeah. Because Silvio is fascinating. He's actually been a rather undeveloped character up until this yeah. point. But the very last scene, basically, that we have, well, not the very last, but one of the last, is Sil coming over to Tony's. And he's actually doing exactly like what we've been talking about, about reframing the argument and like casting aspersion on others. Mm -hmm. So he kind of does it to Tony. Mm -hmm. He says, what, you mad at me now? And he says, you hanging this on me? Mm -hmm. Like he's threatening him to pin it on him directly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting because Silvio goes to Patsy Parisi, or Patsy comes to him, I guess, but he's giving him the okay mm -hmm. to steal the tiles. Mm -hmm. So that really is his plan. And then when he's confronted on it by Tony, like he's actually very kind of astute in his leadership abilities to kind of like not take the fall for it, yeah. not end up being blamed, but then also kind of like manipulate so that he's not, yeah. Yeah, no, it is interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, you know, yet yet another example that comes through. And, you know, even more, the a really fascinating one that I thought was um, Meadow, actually, using therapy as kind of a tool over, over Tony. Mm. So, you know, like there's that, there's a couple there's a couple exchanges, but one thing that really came up for me in this episode is actually parallels between Meadow and Tony, particularly from season one, Tony becoming depressed. Yeah. So there's some things that happen in this episode that are happening to Meadow that I find are very reflective of what was happening like to Tony in season one. Lying in bed, being Lounging out by around the pool. in bed. Actually the reference to time quite a bit. Like yeah. You know, well, she Tony, wakes up, Tony, she's, like, she's saying, I don't want watch. onions in the morning. Carmel yeah. says it's 2 p.m. Yeah. There's clocks in the kitchen that show us the time all the time to show yeah. us how late it is. Meadow gets woken up. There's a clear view of the Her of clock. the clock saying 11.50 and then 11.51. And I think that it's a really interesting connection from her to Tony, like as a depressed person, but also reflective of possibly Meadow following a path that's similar to Tony. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the core ideas of this episode too, is like, who will Meadow be? She's mm -hmm. at a crisis point. Mm -hmm. She's at a potential like fork in the road. Mm -hmm. And I think that as she lounges around in bed and kind of like doesn't take responsibility for things and is duplicitous and casts blame on other people and kind of manipulates her way to get what she wants, there is, there is like an a possibility of her becoming her father mm -hmm. and actually being brought closer to home. And that's an interesting thing because even that's referenced in the episode. Yeah, yeah, You yeah. know, like Melfi and Tony are talking She's about... She's like, oh, Mel she wants to be close yeah, to home. That's interesting. Yeah. It actually sounds like she wants to be home. Yeah. And Tony says, yeah, that's, you know, that's true. It's surprising. But that's actually almost the problem in Soprano yeah. World. And that's what we can see as objective viewers is yeah. that Meadow needs to get as far away as possible. Yeah. You know, kind of like Carmela is told when she goes to therapy. Yeah. And yet... Meadow coming home is actually kind of like a negative thing. Totally. So 
you know, I, I think there's an aspect of that, though. You know, like, when she goes to see Wendy Cobbler, the psychiatrist, mm-hmm. and she's getting information like, college degree is a nice thing, but not at the sake of your emotional well-being. She's already been kind of, like, using these lines before. Yeah, she keeps being like, that's exactly what I that's said. That's exactly what I said. Yeah. But then she actually, like, takes things from the therapy yeah. and then, like, weaponizes them. Yeah. You should know Dr. Cobbler said I should be on Prozac. Yeah. And that really hits them. Yep, yep. You know, she completely lures in Carmel and gets her hook, line, and sinker when she's saying, like, I get that you don't want me to yeah, be here. Yeah, Carmela's like, that's not what I said. Carmela says, you think that I don't want you to be here? And, like, that kills her. Yeah. So, like, she's weaponizing all these things against yeah. other people to get what she wants. Like, very strong sense of duplicity. Yeah. But then part of me, maybe we can come back to it. Yeah. Um, but... Part of me is like, maybe that was a good idea for Meadow. To go away? Yeah. I absolutely think it's a good idea. And so, like, yeah, she's being, like, kind of a brat. Well, no, she's being a total brat. (laughs) And she is being manipulative, for sure. I don't know. Like, I don't know for me, like, if I go as far as duplicitous for Meadow. Manipulative at a minimum. Uh, Definitely, yeah. It's, yeah, anyways. But, um, like, what what would have happened if she had gone to Europe? And why didn't she? Yeah. It's um, a great question. Because she really did seem to believe in what she was saying. And she seemed to, like, get, like, she was really devastated when it, when Tony had said, like, oh, you go. You can, like, go. Yeah. And then he changed his mind. She's like, but you said I could go. Yeah. You know? Um, and he, he, sa- he says your mother doesn't want it, right? Yeah. Like, he's not willing to take yeah. the heat for that. But... Yeah, I don't. I don't really know why she stays. She didn't take some morality course. <laughs> yeah, morality, self, and society. Yeah. Yeah, and I think yeah, like that signature that she, you know, that yeah. she signs to, like she is locking in her fate to an extent. Like she has chosen a path. Yeah. There, and she is staying closer to home. Yeah. And I would argue, and I believe that the correct path was actually to get as far away as possible. Yeah, maybe I think go that to the that University of Barcelona. That's what I would do. Yeah, that does sound sound cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'll do that right now. Okay. That sounds good. Yeah. But it is like an interesting examination that she's having. But I think that, yeah, like what Carmela and Tony think about and what they want for her not is not necessarily the best thing. In fact, it might actually mm-hmm. be the worst mm-hmm. thing. Well, and actually, like, even though Wendy Cobbler's kind of like a... Shitty psychiatrist. I don't, I, I don't know. Like, she's like, sometimes she's, I think, good. And then sometimes she's really bad. She's like, yeah. she's weird. Um, like, really bad. But she does say a few things that stand out. Like, she's like, I think your parents need to evaluate why they want you to, they're so dedicated to you getting your degree. Yeah. Right? Which I think, like, that does hold a lot of meaning for Tony and yeah. Carmela. Right? And it, like, means something. Like, for them, in some ways, it does mean her getting away from that life and stuff yeah. like that and, like, forging her own like not relying on a man and whatever, right? Like it does hold a lot of significance for them, but at the same time, like it's not that. It's not that that's going to give Meadow her independence and, you know, freedom from the family. Yeah. It might be something different, but they they like hold a lot into that. Totally. Yeah. Well, it's interesting even like Carmela and Tony's relationship to the therapist, like when they're talking about Europe and the response is like, well, like what's over there? And they're, they're kind of like questioning what the value of it could be. And then Carmela's really pushing yeah. to get the therapist as a tool to make Meadow stay. So they don't even see the therapist as like somebody who could be examining this issue on both sides and helping Meadow to uncover what she needs. They see it as a tool to get what they want, which is interesting and clearly not the point of Meadow's therapy. 
But I think that's problematic. And when you go, when you were talking about like, you know, unpacking what their relationship is to Meadows education and why they feel like they need that, um, I think that's relevant because they clearly haven't flushed out those ideas. They yeah. just want what they want. Well, and, and Carmela talks about it kind of sarcastically, right? When they're like, what's over there? She's like, experience, real life, yeah. art. Art. And then a, movie says, in, I, a movie I, in Denmark. Like, it's so disparaging. Yeah. I knew this art was going to be a problem, all this <laughs> art talk. <laughs> so dangerous. So, I mean, such a good David Chase yeah. joke, you know? Yeah. Because I think it's great. <laughs> it's interesting, too, like, again, Meadow as a reflection of Tony. And I think that it's it's pretty strong here. But she has a really interesting relationship to being from a mafia family. There's some, like, small things that happen in her session that I thought were really fascinating. Like, the doctor, Dr. Cobbler, says, you mentioned that Jackie's dad was in the mafia. Jack's dad. Jack's dad. <laughs> and then... Meadow says like, there's no such thing as the mafia. He yeah. was a loan shark. Yeah. But that's interesting because we've actually gotten, like, the reference that she actually did pass on that information. Yeah. And so there is this, like, identity crisis for Meadow of, like, is she a part of this family or is she not? Are her values those of the mafia? Mm-hmm. Are they not? And I think they're all kind of, like, thrown up in the air and she's dealing with both of them. Yeah. She wants to protect her family. Mm-hmm. Like we've seen at Jackie's funeral. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. can't believe you'd talk about this in front of an mm-hmm. outsider. Mm-hmm. It's like this, like, mitt mixed bag of feelings about how you act and like what her principles are and i think that she's just kind of sorting it out and the ultimate question is where will she land yeah no absolutely um it's interesting how melfi also pegs um meadow as regressing yeah right um in that session that she has with tony because i mean it reminds me of of when Janice is like, my yeah. therapist says I'm regressing yeah. <laughs> in a very proud way. Um, but I, I I don't know. Like, I think like Meadow in her own 19 year old way is going through a period of like pretty pivotal development. Definitely. Right. Like, so I think that's like, that's a pretty silly accusation. Although we talked about, like I talked mm. about her like in last season's finale. Um, you know, kind of being a drunk baby. And they talk about that in right. the session with the therapist, who's like, as long as you weren't purposely purging or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, I, I don't see her as regressing. I, I, I see her, like, over the past season as regression, like yeah. moving home and being with Jackie. And, like, it takes away kind of the independence that she was trying to yeah. find it kind of brought her back and now she's re kind of like reasserting herself and trying to do that in a totally babyish 19 year old yeah. way for sure but um i don't know i think melfi kind of has it wrong that like you know that's you know this thing about her being close to home um as a positive thing mm-hmm. obviously but i yeah. also yeah i don't think she's regressing yeah and i actually think she's evolving yeah. And, you know, and it's interesting because they leave season three with her running across traffic, leaving the family, you mm-hmm. know, and like she is kind of like escaping that orbit, mm-hmm. which will reference to our discussions on this series finale, perhaps. But <laughs> <laughs> I do think that like that is the ultimate question. And she's working through that right now. Like yeah. she has made some steps to assert herself and move outside of the orbit. And there's a, a constant draw bringing her yeah. back. Yeah. No, I like what, when Carmela says, like, just getting what you want is for babies, not for adults, yeah. right? Um, whereas, but that's like, what Tony is. Of course, and Carmela. Yeah. You know, um, that's for babies. Yeah. 
We like to talk about babies on this show. There's also, it's interesting actually, during that like sit down that Mm -hmm. they have, um, I thought there was actually like a couple instances in this episode where there's like a kind of, they kind of go back to things that I talked a lot about in season one and and in season two of like a color scheme Mm -hmm. um, of like whites and blacks and using colors in a kind of like purposeful way. So even in that, like Tony and Carm on both sides are kind of wearing like this like light, kind of like white and black kind of Mm -hmm. colors. And and, uh, Meadow is in between actually like with a very distinctly like blue top Mm -hmm. that really kind of like stands out. And there's, there's there's actually like a lot of examples in this episode the first shot that we have actually the like dark phone that gets the call that brings danielle in yeah from aid there's a lot of phones there's a lot of phones which we've talked a lot about especially in season one like white and black phones um furio when he comes like wearing all black tony putting on all black in an early scene then there's this scene like right before meadow goes to therapy um tony and carmella are like talking kind of like in their closet and they're talking about like sending Meadow to therapy. Yeah, and, like, the they're, yellow. And they're they're both wearing this yellow. And then Meadow's wearing that same yellow when she goes to the session with the therapist. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it means, but I she also yeah I don't know. Yeah, she wears blue a lot in the rest of the episode. Yeah, we haven't talked about colors in a long time. I know we haven't, but I really feel like they they kind of got back yeah, to it in this episode. Totally. <laughs> no, it was really it was really noticeable. It was really heavy. Yeah. In a good way. Yeah, I agree. Um, the other thing, just quickly, that mm-hmm. uh, just while well, we're still talking about Meadow, kind of, even though we've yeah. j- jumped ahead, um, I thought it was interesting how when she was at the therapist's office that she talks about how she was revolted by the saccharine Italian ballads. Yeah. But yet she wants to go to Europe, and, and Europe does hold this right. symbol. I mean, later we see Carmela. Well, Carmela had planned a trip to Europe prior. We mm-hmm. didn't see her go on that trip. Mm-hmm. Um, we see this like call for Meadow to go to Europe. We see Carmela does later go to Europe mm-hmm. in future episodes. Yeah. Um, and so it is this kind of like, um, there's something about Europe that, and Tony. then Tony's like, maybe she'll meet a real Italian yeah. guy, right? And um, I, I don't know, I can't quite put my, my finger on it, but like linked in with like Carmela's kind of obsession with Furio. Yeah. Um, and again, these things that they mentioned, like what does Europe have? Like what's over there? Yeah. And I think it is this kind of like positive symbol. I think it's this kind of like anti-American in some ways um, beacon uh-huh. um, where none of these characters could ever really actually be there, I don't think. But it is this kind of place that calls them it's like this you know um golden age like you know like i don't know i think about the godfather i think about like or the godfather 2 rather Mm -hmm. and looking back on those scenes of like you know the old mafia in italy right and then compared to the you know compare it to this present day mafia and the sopranos um it holds kind of this like golden tone to it in some way and characters are trying to get back there but it's never possible to get back yeah um yeah anyways yeah no definitely the Um, restorative nature of travel yeah the restorative nature so going on with meadow actually the the really big moment in the episode is where there's this like explosion from tony after she calls Mm -hmm. him mr mob boss Mm -hmm. um and that actually for me is like interestingly like another example of kind of like manipulation to serve one's own one's end one um so, you know, like, after she's challenged by, by Tony in that way, even if it is, like, kind of passive-aggressive, 
he goes on this diatribe about, you know, like, protecting Jackie. I did everything I could to protect that kid. Mm-hmm. And then Meadow talks about pussyfooting around this talking about the mob, mm-hmm. which is something that happened, right? That's actually that college moment mm-hmm. where Tony kind of, like, flips it against Meadow mm-hmm. and they don't have the conversation. Mm-hmm. And they never really do Yeah, and I think overtly he says something really it. similar, like, is there something you want to ask me? Yeah. Or is there something you want to tell me? Like, yeah. there's some similar language there. I should have yeah. thought about that a little more. But Yeah. Um, and so, anyway, I thought that it was really interesting that you have this situation, you know, where, like, Tony's talking about, you know, he did everything to protect the kid. He's actually the one pussyfooting around the the topic. Yeah. Um, she says, you can't even be honest for three seconds, and he's like, try me. Yeah. But, like, she is trying him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, Meadow talks about pussyfooting around this topic of being a mob family, and then Tony kind of explodes and then says, that's not what I asked you. Mm-hmm. You know, but... What he asked her was actually taking away her question Mm -hmm. and talking about, like, do you not think... It's about Jackie now and him protecting Jackie. Mm -hmm. So that's exactly what he's doing. He's completely pussyfooting Mm -hmm. around the topic and he refuses to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And so he's manipulating that situation to not have that conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, like, that scene... I mean, that's such an incredible scene. The The part of it where she bursts into tears when he says, like, when she's like, but you said I could go. Yeah. Like, the look on his face, like, you can yeah. see that that really impacts him. And then we see his response is this, yeah. like, buildup of anger, right? Yeah. And it's really unfortunate that Tony couldn't be more guided by those kind of, like, moments of real emotion that he yeah. faces. And, like, actually, de- like, actually deal with Meadow as a person who... And, like, acknowledge the way that he hurts yeah. her or the way yeah. that his life hurts her. He can't do that. Yeah. You know, like, he he always comes back to, like, I do this to provide for this family. Like, yeah. he always comes back to that. But he really can't acknowledge the way that he hurts her. Yeah. And, and he can't acknowledge his role in Jackie's death. Like, no. he, he wants to, like, he did he did care about Jackie. Yeah. Right? Like, very, I think, very deeply. And he, yeah. di- he did care about, you know, like treating him like a son and you know because of his relationship with jackie senior yeah but he that's all he can kind of grapple yeah. with like he, he can't see well and he's an incredible actor like and i yeah. don't mean james gandolfini i mean like tony, tony. because yeah. he accesses these truths for himself yeah. and then he spins things around that because yeah. yeah he did actually care about jackie yeah and, but then that's what he kind of like diverts yeah. the attention towards there's some overlap too, and I, I again, I it's, I'm still struggling to put my finger on it, but like there's an overlap for me between that scene with Meadow and Tony and Carmela, and then the scene with Adriana at the FBI office. Like, mm-hmm. they both like there's these events that happen. They're, they're like kind of feeling attacked or exposed in some way, and they keep bringing it back to these like really personal ways in which this is impacting them. Mm. But the people around them are talking kind of like they're talking about these issues with the mob. And it's like, no, no, like this is how it's impacting me emotionally. Or this is how you like, right. like this is how our relationship is being impacted. And yeah, like the mob has some role in this, but like everyone else is kind of like focusing on that or like yeah. on Jackie or on, you know, the cocaine at the club yeah. where they're trying to really express like some true emotion, just like feeling like feeling unsupported or feeling abandoned yeah. or feeling like 
like like I said, like when Meadows like, but you said I could go, like feeling betrayed. Yeah. Or acknowledging that people have been duplicitous yeah. towards them, right? So there was some overlap and they they come back to back. There's too, multiple so. overlaps too. I yeah. mean like even like one of the first scenes, like there's actually a connection between Danielle, Adriana and Meadow. Right. Of because course, like after yeah. that phone call we have Danielle walking through the door like wearing underwear. We have Adriana wearing her underwear. They're both talking on the phone. And yeah. then the edit that they choose is immediately to Meadow wearing like her swim a top, suit. Yeah. a bathing suit. But yeah, like, I mean, we know how they like to use edits in the show. Yeah. Like, there's a connection yep, point yep. there, and um, and yeah, like I think that like those situations, like they they are drawing some parallels between what Adriana is going through mm-hmm. towards Danielle in this episode and, mm-hmm. and Meadow. Yeah, there is a commonality between those characters. Yeah. One of the other. Do you want to move on to du- sure. more duplicitousness? Duplicity? Duplicity. <laughs> um, I mean, there's more from Janice, even. I like, was, I was yeah. going to, well, I was going to talk about Ralphie, actually. Yeah, well, yeah, linked. And mm-hmm. then, yeah, and it is linked. Um, one of the more, like, kind of, like, under, there's that really weird scene where Ralphie and Vito are playing basketball, <laughs> okay? <laughs> and Ralphie's wearing this, like, pink shirt, and he has, like, a shirt around his yeah. waist. It's, like, very weird. And Vito is wearing this, He's like, a style-conscious all- man. Are you threatened by that? Are you threatened by his style? I think I am threatened by Ralphie's style. It's very weird. Um, But he basically comes out and says to Vito that he sees being with Janice. Like, they talk about, like, her hair, and they talk about her boobs. Yeah. But then he, like, basically sees it as a career move. Yeah. He's like, it doesn't hurt my career. Yeah. Something, something. Yeah. and then when we see them, like, in these moments, like, watching that d- Faces of Death or Ralphie clipping his toenails and hitting her in the face. With his shrapnel. With his shrapnel. And she's reading a book about Satan. Um, <laughs> cool relationship. It is. It's, I mean, all her relationships are so cool. But, um, you know, we, we see it in a different way, right? We know that he's he's a pretty master manipulator, too. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he's going to be able to manipulate his way out of telling that joke about uh, uh, Ginny Sacrimony. Right. Yeah. So for those of you, if you are watching the show for the first time, there's a pretty throwaway part of the episode. Something you'd probably take the least Although notice of. Although it's mentioned of. twice. Right. That's true. Yeah. So yeah, with, with um, Ralphie coming up with his joke about Ginny Sacrimony taking a 95-pound mole off her ass... The impact of that is rather severe for such a throwaway scene. So that all continue to come up. That is actually, in a weird way, one of the main plot points of this whole episode. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and actually Janice, like, in terms of manipulation, she actually goes against Tony and she actually compares him to, she says to him, you're just like mom. Right. Which is, again, like, she knows how to get under his skin. She's a master manipulator. She says Ralph is such a great guy, which we've heard said before. (laughs) He is, isn't he? And then, yeah, his sense of style, of course, is excellent. Um, The other one that I have in terms of that is, like, with Chris and Adriana. Yeah. Um, you know, like he keeps saying things like this to her, like with all your intelligence, you never see the big picture, right? Right. Like he's for some reason, like he doesn't like that she has this friend. He doesn't like, he doesn't know that she's in the FBI, obviously, or like me, like, but he does see her as a threat and he doesn't want that in his life. And so, you know, first she's, he's like, you know, she's a dyke. Um, (laughs) then, then he's like, use your head. She's trying to fuck us up. Um, and what we have is stronger than any of that shit, yeah. right? Like after they have that scene where he yeah. puts his hand on her leather pants. Yeah. Um, 
And like, that's, it's so much like, cause he, he was the one who did wrong there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and he's so able to manipulate Adriana and her feelings in that moment yeah. that then she does also turn on Danielle. Right. Yeah. Like she, she's like, did you try to take his hand off of you? And yeah. she's like, I did. Which is interesting because that actually indicates that she doesn't buy Christopher's story. Yeah. Uh, that she took his hand and put it there. Did yeah. you try to take his hand off of you? It's like, she actually didn't believe Chris. Yeah. But it's still a problem. Yeah. For her. Yeah. 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 And she did try to take his hand off of yeah. her. Yeah. No, totally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just that, like, she's trying to fuck us up. Like, yeah. it's, oh, it's so crazy. Yeah. Um, I think that idea, too, like, something that comes up quite a bit in this episode, and I mentioned it very briefly earlier, is, like, this idea of Christopher being obsessed with thinking of the big picture but not being able to do yeah. it. Like, that's being brought to Chris. Now that Tony has discussed... Um, in this season, like his master plan to bring in Christopher as blood and to pass off operations to him. That's obviously causing some problems with, you know, Patsy Parisi getting passed over. Likely Silvio also probably feeling a threat as consigliere Mm -hmm. that he's probably recognizing what Tony is doing with Chris, which is also probably why he makes the first power play we see him make in the whole show. Yeah, totally. Um, But, you know, like Chris... We really get a sense that he can't think of the big picture. Like, even after Tony's telling him about the fiber optic cable, he's like, are you kidding me? Like, this is, like, a huge, like, this job is worth, like, hundreds of millions of dollars. Mm. What are you doing stealing this stuff? And then Chris says, yeah, I get it. But then even after, he says, like, aren't they insured? Right. You know, so that, like, kind of, like, petty street-level mentality, he yeah. can't really shake it. Like, yeah, and yeah, he's yeah. not ready for the position that no. he's in. No, that's for sure. Um. So, yeah, one can sense that there will be more and more problems there. Uh, what else? I just have a few, like, really throwaway sure. things. Let's do it. No, Love they're, they're, like, they're really throwaway. I have one throwaway thing, so we okay. can add it to the pot. One of them is I really like the website that Carmela is looking at. It's like a yeah. very early 2000s website about money. Yeah, also AJ saying, like, are you done on the internet? Yeah. As if only one of them can use the internet well, at the same time. that was what it was like. Yeah. <laughs> What's next? Also, I don't know. I just thought, like, the scene with Furio, I guess it kind of goes back to, like, what we were talking about before with, like, the European thing. But there's this great scene, or I guess two scenes, really. No, it's all in the same scene, where um, Meadow's friend comes over. She's like, there's a guy with a ponytail in your driveway. What's with that? And then Carmela, like, looks at herself in the mirror and, you know, gets herself ready. And then it's this very dramatic shot of like her opening the door, yeah. and Furio is almost there. Like, you can almost <laughs> he's like imagine, shining. he's like yeah, glimmering. like his hair like waving in the yeah. wind. Like he kind of even does this kind of like smile. head tilt and yeah. smile as the door. The opens. lighting too, it's like so bright. Yeah, <laughs> and it's very I don't know. It like you know we were talking about how it's like almost like a soap opera, right? Right. Like, we well, see and this, actually, like, you know, Meadows' friend calls Carmela Mrs. Soap. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which was talked about on Sopranos Autopsy. That's true. It sure was. Um, <laughs> Check it out. Always a great source. Always a great source. But yeah, like I just like this, like we have this like always, like they play with your sense of like this impending drama, right? Yeah. That's going to happen. Um, and this has been like a slow build for this one. But I just yeah. thought that was like so, I don't know, like again, a funny David Chase kind of joke. Like it yeah. was like this like, totally. Italian ponytail guy outside the door. Yeah. Um, again, that kind of allure of things that are outside of this world or outside of this country. Well, also, yeah, like that. And she asks him if she's going to become a citizen. Right. 
and he's like, you don't need that. Yeah, you don't need that. But it's interesting, too, to think about that, like, Furio having this, like, he's this ponytail, like, this allure of him, like, in some ways being in touch with, like, femininity or something Mm -hmm. that none of the other characters Mm -hmm. have. Like, Mm -hmm. obviously, none of those other characters could ever have a ponytail. Like, it's just, like, unthinkable. But But maybe Christopher could have wings. Yeah, he wanted to. But, yeah, the fact that Furio is okay with that is probably what, in part like what draws Carmela mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. no it's something it's, uh, even though he's in he's in the mob yeah it is still this like foreign yeah. color or something she has like a type that. too with Vic Musto earlier too yeah and Furio yeah no like there is she this looks Euro- like, yeah, there soap, is this European soap, thing. soap opera yeah. stars yeah <laughs> Yeah. Um, one thing that I really liked actually, so when the FBI come to pick up Adriana mm-hmm. and she's out with Cosette mm-hmm. and then Cosette's kind of like running into the street and mm-hmm. then the car comes and they have that in the same shot, mm-hmm. like that like impending danger. Like oh, the no. fact Watch that out, like, Cosette. that like, you know, the car is coming, like the threat from the FBI, yeah. you know, but the fact that, yeah, the, the dog is like kind of like running into traffic. I yeah. thought that was really interesting and I liked that. Oh man. Um, also... That's it. Those are all my ideas. I think that's all my ideas, too. Love the episode, though. I mean, I think season four. I feel like the show just keeps on maturing, and they just go deeper, and they actually just keep on getting better and better at what they do. It's amazing. I think last time we watched, this was my favorite season, just so you're aware of that. Okay. Um, Let's see what happens this time. Let's see what happens. So thank you for listening. We love doing this. Yeah. We'll be back soon. We just get to talk to each other for 44 minutes. And talk to you about about Sopranos. About our favorite show. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Tune in next time. Bye. Bye.